The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. Today we get to talk about Stranger Things. Uh, Stranger Things is actually very close to my heart because it dives into the 80s, which I am a very big product of. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny now that the popularity of the show, we're starting to see, you know, 80s era fashion make a subtle comeback. And there's this huge popularity with the show. What do you think it is about the popularity of these TV shows, movies and actors that cause fans to connect in this way? I think there are a lot of things. I think for many of us, we see a reflection of ourselves, you know, seeing these little kids who are able to stand up to the Demogorgons, right? And like these aliens and monsters from the upside down and stop the end of the world. Maybe for many of us, uh, maybe allows us to live out our childhood fantasy of being the kind of hero we always wanted to be. For a lot of us who grew up in the 80s, there might be this element of nostalgia, right? So nostalgia is kind of that bittersweet emotion that we experience when we connect with an element of our past and we remember, quote unquote, the good old times. So whether it's remembering our first time experiencing Star Wars or our first time playing D&D with our friends, I think there is this beautiful method or element of connection that we experience, or at least some of us experience, when we watch Stranger Things or maybe even other TV shows like the Goldbergs or certain movies like Guardians of the Galaxy that also bring up um, some elements of nostalgia like um, the 80s soundtrack and movies, for example. So in watching Stranger Things, a lot of viewers report this very emotion, nostalgia, connection with elements of their childhood um, that they might miss at this point, remembering the sweet moments that they shared with people that maybe they care about and possibly people they lost touch with. I think that uh, we're seeing a representation of something that's really sweet and really powerful for, for many of us. Um, we're seeing the kind of heroes that maybe many of us wished we were as kids. Um, maybe we're seeing our childhood fantasy played out right in front of us in, in a television show because, I mean, come on, how many of us wished we could stop the, uh, the world from turning upside down, uh, stop, um, aliens from taking over the, the world? I, I remember being six and playing with, um, some of my neighbors and pretending that there were pirates 
plants and aliens and all kinds of beasts taking over and we fought them off and of course we won <laughs> and um, I think we're seeing that in the show we're seeing a representation of our childhood dreams um, turn into a television show in front of us yeah I mean I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying and I mean I, I look back at like movies that I grew up with like the Goonies where there's like all these kids and they you know they're heroes and everything and, and you know cool geeks can in fact save the day like these geeky kids that play Dungeons and Dragons and Stranger Things and stuff um, so although the main protagonists in Stranger Things are young kids the fan base is comprised of people from all ages and backgrounds I mean I like I said I personally relate to the power of revisiting my youth as projected through the narrative of these you know fun and amazing little kids um, and I gotta be honest it's very alluring to have uh, a main character with the name Dustin finally. Uh, what is it that gives fans so much pride in their connection to these fictional characters that they see on the screen? I think for many of us, there's maybe a sense of validation. It's almost like we're seeing ourselves on the screen. You know, if we um, are or were that geeky kid that maybe was picked on for our interests, now we see that kind of skill is necessary and important to stop the, the evil monsters from taking over the world. I think there is... Um, there's a sense of victory. There's a sense of validation that all of the things that we are and all of the things that maybe we were bullied for or struggled with, that, that maybe all of the things that we believed in um, were right, that we were right in our, um, in our desires and our hobbies. I think that um, the connections that we have with our heroes can feel personal. And for you, for example, and for many other fans, um, seeing somebody that represents an element of us on the screen can feel as if we ourselves are understood and supported and and loved in, in this kind of way through this TV show. I personally identify with Eleven. You might know my background in being exposed to radiation and not speaking English uh, when I first came to this country. For me, I really relate to her. Um, you know, I used to have frequent nosebleeds after the severe radiation exposure I had as a child. And I also didn't quite have the vocabulary to communicate with other people. Never seen a kid with a tattoo before. What's it mean? Eleven. That's your name? Eleven. Okay. Um, well, my name's Mike, short for Michael. Maybe we can call you L, short for Eleven. Um, well, okay. Night, L. Night, Mike. And it was over time through connections with wonderful friends that I developed over the years that um, allowed me to feel normal again. Um, so of the characters in Stranger Things, I really relate to Eleven. And although I can't flip over cars, <laughs> um, I'm still working on That'd that. That'd be a hell of an awesome power. Shh, don't, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I, I really understand um, a lot of what she goes through, the frustration of um, 
maybe not being able to go out to let other people know what she'd been through. Um, I've experienced that too. You know, my, my family didn't want me to tell other people about me being exposed to Chernobyl. And I can understand the difficulty in communication and the frustration with acculturation and adjustment that Eleven goes through. So I think for many of us, seeing ourselves represented gives validation and support for some of the most painful experiences we've been through and also some of the most powerful experiences we've been through. You were mentioning Eleven going to this tight-knit community of friends. Um, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and Will, their, their, their friendship is very tight. I mean, they even have rules and hold themselves accountable to one another. Friend? Yeah, friend. What is friend? A friend is someone, someone that you do anything for. They don't let people into their little community sometimes because they're so tight-knit and they want to keep that. Um, like their struggle with Max. Yeah, exactly, with their struggle with Max. So what do you think the value of friendship is just in general? Well, you know, humans are very social creatures, and most of us require um, friends and companions to connect with and to help us through difficult times. In fact when we're struggling with something, alienation tends to make us feel worse, whereas connection tends to make us feel better. Uh, we can connect with other people in person, or we connect with other people online, or even with fictional characters, such as through watching these television shows. And I think the more understood we feel by other people, for many of us, the easier it is then to go through certain things that um, we're, we're experiencing at that given moment. Now, of course, that doesn't apply to everybody in every instance, but um, research does show that for many people, being able to connect with the experience of another individual can make them feel less alone, more connected, um, as well as um, less overwhelmed by what they're experiencing. What you just said is uh, very amazing because you see the value of these kids' friendship is like when Will starts seeing his visions and everything, you see that they don't even question it. They just come to his side and come to his aid. Exactly. Exactly. We see that. And I, and I think that's so beautiful is that they um, they absolutely believe him from the start. They They have his back. They don't allow others to bully him. And when we have the kind of friendships that we see depicted in Stranger Things, then we can face anything just like these kids do. Yeah. What do they call them now? Vision? What? The now memories. Now memories. Yeah. The now memories in the episode are visions. Dr. Owens and Sheriff Hopper seem to diagnose Will with having PTSD based off of these. Um, they actually call them uh, something like the anniversary effect. And, you know, we describe them as visions and episodes. Um, was PTSD actually a term used in the 80s? And are any of Will's symptoms consistent with the criteria for PTSD? So um, the diagnosis of PTSD was first introduced in 1980. So yes, around the time of the events of this television show, this term would have been around. PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder has to do uh, with symptoms that occur in some individuals after they've experienced something traumatic, such as Will had in um, being taken away to the upside down. And symptoms include nightmares, flashbacks, um, being hypervigilant, um, changes in mood, avoiding talking about certain things, or even dissociating. So 
I can see where somebody who didn't know the truth about what was going on with the upside down might think that Will's symptoms were consistent with post-traumatic stress disorder because, um, again, on the surface, they do, at least in some ways, resemble mm -hmm. the symptoms of PTSD. Now, you mentioned the anniversary effect. The anniversary effect is when individuals experience more symptoms of, for example, PTSD or um, or or loss or depression on the anniversary of something really painful or traumatic happening. So this could be anniversary of the trauma or on the anniversary of someone's death, for instance. Um, however, as we see from the show, Will's symptoms seem to be more consistent with true events with his now memories, right, that are mm -hmm. caused by these creatures from the upside down, um, as opposed to from the trauma itself. Now, without having evaluated well in person, I can't actually say whether he does or does not have PTSD, but we know that um, the doctor that initially diagnosed him was wrong and knew he was wrong, was purposely hiding from um, Will and his mom the, the truth about Will's condition. Right. I mean, they had everything still going on in the in the basement there, right? Right. That's interesting what you said about the anniversary effect, because we also see that, you know, Hopper lost his daughter to cancer um, before the events of season one. And um, in season two, he has taken this, you know, paternal role over 11. I'm, I'm just curious, is there a danger in developing an attachment like this while grieving for someone's loved one? Um. I think it depends. You know, I think that um, Hopper certainly um, takes more of a paternal role with Eleven than maybe he otherwise would have had he not lost his daughter. I think he's trying so hard to protect her in the way that he couldn't protect his daughter to a degree that ends up being quite unhealthy for their relationship. He's not always honest with her. He's not always explaining things to her. Um, he's just trying so hard to keep her safe because he's terrified of losing Eleven in the same way that he lost his own daughter. It's it's hard to say whether it's a danger, but we can see how hard Hopper is trying to keep Eleven alive. To some degree, there are elements of this relationship that is not fully healthy. And to some degree, it is also restorative for them both because they both were able to have a different kind of relationship with a family member that they didn't before. So for Eleven, who had a really sadistic kind of um, father figure in Dr. Brenner, whom she called Papa in season one, to have now a more authoritative paternal figure in Hopper, I think is a, a big change for her. And there are times when she rebels, um, and there are also times when I think she really appreciates having him in her life. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about this interesting relationship with Dr. Brenner, um, and she calls him Papa. She, had, I mean, he doesn't treat her right at all. I mean, I, I, I think there's a part where he even throws her in solitary confinement because or she wouldn't harm that cat. but she still kind of latches on to him. Stockholm Syndrome kind of comes to mind, but I don't know if that's accurate. Um, what are your thoughts about the relationship? Is it a kind of Stockholm Syndrome thing? It's a possibility. Um, so Stockholm Syndrome is 
um, what happens in some people who have been kidnapped when they grow uh, an attachment to their kidnappers. And to some degree, we're, we are seeing that with Eleven. She is attached to Brenner, um, whom, as, as we said, she calls Papa. She sees him as a paternal figure. And there are times that he is comforting to her, but most of the time he tortures her and he forces her to do things that are um, against her moral code. So um, when she refuses to kill a cat that he, he, he wanted her to experiment on, um, then she is severely punished for it. I mean, it's kind of an, a, an abuse, and that, and I see that kind of in other instances of the show, you know, with Max's older brother um, in season two. Billy is often violent, and he's really un- unpredictable, really. Um, and later in the episode, we get to see that his father is violently abusive to him. So this indication of abuse being passed on can also be articulated by saying something like, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? Is this pattern common with physical abuse? Unfortunately, it can be. So um, for our listeners who may not remember, Max was the the girl that um, ended up um, joining the um, the, the, the group of friends in Stranger Things. Um, so she and her stepbrother moved from California. Her stepbrother, Billy, was extremely abusive with her. Uh, most of the time he would berate her or yell at her or demand that she be available immediately um, when he would come to pick her up and he would forbid her from having any friends. And we learn later that um, his own father was physically and emotionally abusive to him. And as you mentioned, uh, we do see this pattern where hurt people hurt people. I think that because Billy was abused um, physically and emotionally by his own father, that um, probably bred feelings of resentment toward his stepsister, Max, um, causing him to lash out um, and causing him to, to hurt her in many ways. Um, we see him crying at one point. Um, he's certainly hurt not only physically, but also emotionally. Unfortunately, we do see that in some survivors of physical or emotional abuse um, who at least sometimes will um, then lash out at other people in similar ways. I, w- I want to explore some of the unrecognized heroes that you see in this show that that are kind of interesting to me. Um, Steve and Jonathan and Nancy, um, they seem to challenge the, the stereotypical definition of what a hero is. They're all very heroic in their own ways. Um, and Steve in particular, he's very courageous in the face of danger. However, he's the stereotypical jock type. You know, he's really jerky and he comes off so arrogant that he's not really very likable. Yet he really is heroic. Can you explain what heroism is with these three characters as examples? Sure. By definition, um, a heroic action is one where someone, um, someone potentially risks their lives to help others, um, to do, to do the right thing. And, um, both in seasons one and two, we see these characters doing exactly that. Um, especially in season two, we see Steve become the, the best the babysitter, uh, <laughs> world's best babysitter. Absolutely. There was actually a meme that was going around social media with Steve being on the cover of the babysitters clubs books, right? Fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> and making sure that the kids are protected. He stands up to Billy, to Max's stepbrother. 
as well as to many of the creatures from the upside down to make sure that the kids are safe and protected. Similarly, Nancy and Jonathan risk their lives to provide the world with information about Barb um, to reveal what really happened to her. Right, exactly. I, I, I see them standing up to the man in ultimate punishment. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that um, Dr. Owens threatened them with their lives when he let them into the thing. And, and just for them standing up and saying, you know what, that's not right. I'm going to, uh, I want to expose this heinous crime. I mean, you see the parents just struggling with the loss of their daughter, and yet they go out and they do what they can to let people know what happened. I think I think that's very heroic. Absolutely. Nancy can't um, live with the guilt. She, um, she feels so guilty about um, Barb's parents not knowing about what happened to her that she confronts her boyfriend Steve at the time and when he refuses to allow her to tell Barb's parents the truth, Nancy at first gets very drunk and very upset <laughs> um, and then decides that she wants to inform them of the truth one way or another and I think the actions that she and Jonathan took were both risky and heroic to allow Barb's parents to have a sense of closure. So this question I want to ask is very fun for me because, you know, they describe the Upside Down as the veil of shadows. You know, it's a dark reflection or an echo of our world. Um, it's a place of decay and death, and it's right next to you and you don't even see it. Can you talk about some of the psychological metaphors we might see in those statements about what the Upside Down is? I mean, I think it's open to people's interpretation, but... Um, psychologically speaking, I think it could potentially be a metaphor for depression or trauma, right? It's something that's right there. It's an invisible scar, but it turns your whole world upside down. And there are monsters that you can't even see, but that feel like they're attacking you from the inside. I think for many people, um, when depression hits, for instance, it's almost like the now memories that Will is having. It feels like um, we might feel frozen in a particular uh, emotion or memory. We might feel trapped by our experiences and it might be too painful to continue. Um, and I think that much like the vines that um, almost suffocated Hopper in the Upside Down, sometimes that's what our painful emotions feel like. And remember, the one thing that they're afraid of is fire or light, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that for most of us, um, it is our... Um, the fire that we ignite within our heart, within our passion. It is our friendships that we develop that will help us fight the painful experiences of the upside down on a daily basis. I really love that. It's the fire within us all that can help defeat monsters and day-to-day -day issues that we're having with depression or whatever it is. It's light, it's fire, it's friendship, it's love, it's compassion. Absolutely. So on that positive note, I think it's a good moment to end our episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill, Quill like the feather. 
and my website is superhero-therapy.com. Thank you all very much for tuning in, and we will be back on December 9th with a very special episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett, where we explore the psychology of Star Wars. And may the Force be with you.